Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Just Friends. As always, I'm your host, Mitchell Embry. So I mentioned earlier this month, or maybe it was last month, that I had a bunch of unused material from some of my earlier conversations back before I realized that things might work better as two-parters. And I posted a poll asking what you guys wanted me to do with it, and the general consensus was just release it. So that's what I decided to do. Um, So this is some of the unreleased material that I got from my very first conversation with Jake Stratton. There's some really good stories in here, and I'm glad that it's not going to wind up in the trash can. So I hope you enjoy listening to it. Let's check it out. You probably don't realize this, but like I said, I I looked up to you when we were growing up. That was a terrible idea. But also... (laughs) (laughs) you engage with me in a way that I really appreciate and that I don't get sometimes from other friends. Whereas you're ready to talk to me about stuff that's difficult to talk about and, and in a meaningful way. And sometimes when I have conversations with you, I leave feeling like I learned something about something myself maybe or my perspective is different or I understand something about you that's intimate and I just appreciate that about you now and so I don't I don't know so with the podcast with Chris I love Chris he's a great friend but sometimes I feel myself falling into a role where like I'm just trying to entertain Chris And that's not a bad thing, but that's just who I feel myself becoming when I'm with him. But I think I appreciate you a lot because who I feel myself become when I interact with you is a person who's able to be more vulnerable. I feel like I can talk to you about difficult things and and I can appreciate what you're going to have to say about it. And that's kind of what I want this podcast to kind of feel like is like an intimate exploration of who we are as friends. And it's hard to do that with some people, but I feel excited about the next three people who are going to be on the podcast. You. So you're now. Yes. (laughs) Casey, who also is willing to go to that place because Casey has got trauma. Yeah, And yeah. And that's, I think it's kind of interesting like when I met Casey, I met Casey in sixth grade. And for you all that don't know on the podcast, he's, he's before even like a year ago, he was like, you know, he was my brother. And now <laughs> he's legally my brother. Um, yes. So we get I'm to hang jealous. out. We get to hang out every holiday. <sighs> we get to, you know, so you'll see him tomorrow. I will see him tomorrow. I'm only not, jealous because i'm gonna see his ass friday shout out to casey Ford. Yeah. you've probably already talked to me when you're hearing this but who cares <laughs> yeah. but yeah i mean like there are so many like connections that we have with our with our friends and it's just like there are so many bonds and some of those bonds are like related trauma yeah and it's, you know that they say that you know, like in like war, right? So if you have a a group of people and they go through a traumatic experience together, they have an incredibly strong bond. And I do feel like because we can all sort of relate to some level of trauma 
that that does in you know as part of our bond yeah i can talk about my dad's alcoholism with you and with casey because you totally understand what i mean when i talk about it i went to man camp recently and i hung out with a bunch of people whom i really enjoy and whom i really love who have the same jobs as my dad and they're doing a lot of the same things as my dad and they were like you're the son of a rod buster what can we do differently so that we don't fuck up our kids and I was like, well, I was just thinking like, based on this experience, <laughs> don't do what you're doing. Don't now. do what you're doing right now. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. not really. Not really. Because what they were doing right then was meeting me where they were and asking me those questions like, how can I grow and how can I get better? Yeah. I mean, that's the other thing too. It's like, and it's it's not easy to know or it's impossible to know. Like you can't go back and be like, hey, dad were you having those same conversations with other people? I mean, the fact that our friends are asking exactly. for that, it means that they're willing to do something about it. Exactly. And I think that's a huge step. And I want to point out that earlier I talked about how I don't necessarily believe fully in free will. You can only make the decisions that are available to you and you make the best decisions that you can based on the programs that you're running. Yeah. I'm going to interact with this substance that I know is negative for me because it allows me to work in a way that lets me provide for my family and that is a huge thing that I value. So I get it. That was my yeah. dad's thing. He did drugs that helped him work more so he could work harder so he could make more money. And that's why my family was comfortable. Yeah. Not because he was super well-educated because he was a hard ass worker. Yeah. Same thing in this situation. So like I don't judge him. Yeah. And I love him. And, and even especially like given the, your, your thoughts and theories on like free will. And I, I do kind of, you know, agree with that. I think that there are things and, I mean, I guess this does exist outside the well, the realm of free will when people are exposed to external like stimulus, like, you know, whether someone's it's someone being an advocate and speaking up against something or for something like that to me is where free will kind of, you know, it's like had that thing not been there. Yeah. Then maybe this person would continue down this path. But because Absolutely. of this stimulus, they are now choosing a path different than the one they were set on. And I would even expand upon that because I don't fully disbelieve in free will. You have control of your ship, but you don't have instant transmission. You can't pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You can't become... Unless you have a very specific set of circumstances laid out in front of you, yeah. you can't go from being nothing to something all the time. Right. But at the same time, I think you have control in very small capacities over the direction that your ship's going in. It's yeah. like you're driving a very huge ship. You have very little control, but you have some. You can, yeah. you, you can make small incremental changes over time and improve yourself as yeah. a person. And those changes may affect mm -hmm. 
the changes that if you have kids exactly. or other people that you're interacting with to kind of pull them in a more positive direction, help yeah. change some of their things, which gives ultimately, I think a little bit more control. And to bring this back to what we were originally talking about, like, because I feel that way, because that's my ultimate philosophy on life. And I'm applying that to myself and trying to grow and trying to become a better person and realizing that where I started sets me back and that sucks. I don't judge. I don't feel judgment towards a person who started in a different spot or who is starting in a different spot. So I guess my point is I don't want to make any of my friends feel bad for where they're at. I just want to empower them to try to be moving forward and to just, and know that I love them. And like, I like, like you were kind of saying, that's what I want this podcast to be is a positive force in the lives of my friends. Yeah. And I, I guess one thing I would like to say is like, do you feel that like where we were just, I, I mean, even just like thinking socioeconomically, like that to me is almost the best, but I would not choose to choose to have been anywhere else than, than where I was. Really? I would not have liked to been born into like, huge wealth and i would not obviously choose you know i don't think you'll find a lot of people will be like yeah i would love to be dirt poor yeah you know <laughs> no. that'd be awesome could i just start with nothing you know but it we, but, you can admit that it's a spectrum right yeah it's a spectrum so like in in that spectrum i feel like we have been very fortunate yes. to be in that spectrum and to be where we are in that spectrum yeah let, let me put this in there my wife not much further up the spectrum than us. Yeah, her parents made more money than my parents, but the thing that really is the difference is not the money. It's who they were as people. And who they were as people is the reason why they had a little bit more money. They were healthier, mentally healthier. Man, I'm probably going to have to edit this out because it makes my parents seem sucky. They weren't addicts. They weren't addicted to anything. They had yeah. healthy patterns of behavior. Yeah. Because the point I was going to make is that Sarah is super capable and super competent, and I wish I was that way. But I was going to say, but doesn't the fact that you, you're you wanting change and you're craving change, and I know she she does too. She's like, seems like she's really gung-ho about, you know, living life to the fullest having and, and, and t- having these experiences which is fantastic. She's wise in you the know? sense that she knows that, and she's taught me. And she's like four or five years young. Like yeah. all of our wives, other than my wife, it, I forget that they're like five years younger than us. And yeah, it does. You know, obviously, it doesn't. It's not weird, but it's just like I forget that I'll make some reference and they'll be like, <laughs> "What the hell are you talking about?" I'm like, "Oh yeah, I forgot." Like. No, but she's taught me and she's changed my perspective a whole lot because you're talking about financial freedom. You're talking about you realize now that you've reached a level of income where now you're going to make moves based on what makes you happier. So your emotional wellness is a lot better. So while, you know, the money thing may not be a huge impact, if you're to a, a threshold where they're able to make decisions. So like if Sarah's parents were able to make decisions on what makes them happy, which ultimately make, you know, makes your life better versus where your dad's at, where he's 
trying to, he's like taking these drugs in order to get himself into a situation to provide this level for his family. Like mm. those two things to me are, are, are vastly different. Yeah. Because, but my dad was making quite a bit of money. Right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. He was, he could have also chosen not to, you guys would have been on a little bit lower status, but like yeah. the mental health level. But again, your dad's, you know, if you're if you're like a worker, if you're a worker and you're like, I want to work hard, I'm a hard worker. Yeah. Like that to him may not it may not have even entered the picture. And he was he has all kinds of trauma that led him to be the person that he was. So I can't make any judgments about that. Right. But it's interesting. You're at a place where you feel financially stable and it's allowing you to make decisions that make you happy. I've kind of decided that instead of changing my income level to a place where I can make decisions to make me happy, I'm trying to change my freedom level to a place where my income can be smaller, but my freedom is so much that I can just do whatever the fuck I want. By the way, that sounds like a total like American like capitalist. Like, Does it? What's your freedom level? <laughs> oh, my, I'm at a freedom level 10. Freedom level 10? <laughs> Good Lord. Jesus Christ, man. How are you even surviving in that free? Can you be that free? Yeah. I thought it only went to eight. Are it's you like, are you rock hard all, the, all day yeah. long? It's just like, how free can someone be? I think every idea that starts... You know, it like the basement level always sounds like insane because you just think of like the end picture. You don't think of like how you're going to get there. It's like, I think it should, the focus should be does it make you happy? And if it makes you happy and you can, and you are still able to keep, like you said, your freedom level the same. I mean, to me, that's a no-brainer. Well, this is why I feel like I can go after it because I do feel free. I don't, Love my job. I've been vocal about that. But I have the potential to move into jobs that I like more. You, We talked earlier. I could change my situation in such a way that I might enjoy my job better. Yeah. And this podcast and the one I'm doing with Sarah, I love doing it. I will continue to do it and make no money. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm excited about it. I'm making no money doing this right now. I couldn't sleep last night because I was so excited about talking to you today. So yeah, so no, I love it. And since I'm willing to do it for free, why not try to get paid for it? That's how I genuinely feel about it. But I also am the type of person who I like to daydream. I like to live in that place where I think about, I'm not going to let it get me distracted because... One of the big things that kind of went into me feeling this empowered was finally fucking finishing college. I finished with my bachelor's degree. I realized what it was. I just chose to spend a lot of time reading and a lot of time thinking and a lot of time writing out those thoughts in a coherent way. And I got good at that. And then graduate school, by the time it came around, I was good at it. And I kind of talked to you earlier about the dumbing down of college. I think there is something to be said about 
this educational industrial complex that has been created where we're just trying to generate revenue through selling college degrees and they'll fucking give one to anybody who's willing to pay for it. And so in order to make sure that they get that money, they lower the rigor, they lower the requirements. What's necessary in order to be competitive in college is lower now than I think it's ever been. Do you think so? Or do you think that... I think so. I mean, I definitely think that they've expand you know they've definitely expanded the pool right yeah so like obviously the people maybe like 20 years ago mm-hmm. like it was a lot harder to get into a college or whatever and maybe that's something that we need to go back to but like even i mean there are the to get into college like the level of stuff that you kind of have to know like if you go back like 50 years ago like the people that went to college wouldn't even made that level you're right you know so i while it does seem like it's dumbed down a little bit i think it may be also that our expectations are raised on what we feel like society should know now (laughs) we should really be focusing on you know where do we want society to be because if we're really saying okay we need society you know, we're going to make college a little bit more restrictive, but ultimately our society, we want people being creative. We want people producing things of value other than trinkets and little bullshit. Like let's do that. I completely agree. You know, I mean, I'm not like a big, like, yeah, you know, Andrew Yang, like here's your, here's your, uh, in, you know, the universal income. I'm kind of behind that. But I also think that there should be a more focused effort on like what should we expect people to be like outputting? Because we, yeah, we can do a whole lot of stuff in terms of like humanities and arts and, you know, being creative and stuff like that. But like some of that has to, you know, doesn't make a lot of income, but that's why you're supplementing it with this universal income. And then there, therefore, I think overall humanity has a little bit better, sorry, understanding a little bit, you know, it's more like a community type thing. There's definitely something to that, what you just said. And this is why I appreciate talking to you so much because you're able to articulate your thoughts in a way where, no, I totally agree. You're right. What the average college person was able to produce and was able in terms of just like their level of thought 20 years ago was held to a much lower standard than what we're holding people to today. I think also something that I do to myself often, my parents didn't go to college. So when I think of a college person, it's like, man, they must be fucking smart, man. And then when I get there and like, I'm smarter than a lot of these people, I'm like, what the fuck is wrong? (laughs) I should not be smarter than these people. But sometimes I hold myself to a standard that's unfair yeah, like holding you hold yourself to a standard, but that standard would be difficult for lots of people to meet. But I don't feel like it should be because I feel like I'm low. I have yeah. low. I I need to work like, on my self esteem. Like in terms of self esteem, so I need like, to work on my self esteem. I like me. I don't think I'm anywhere close to a genius. I know I'm above average, but not much. And that's where I put myself. Six, like six. <laughs> if you put a percentile out. Not 50, I'm not average, I'm 60. But here's the thing, like who, like, so ma- there's so many jobs that can be learned if people would just be like patient and say, look, we're gonna take the time, we're gonna invest in the worker. 
my grandpa didn't go to college. Right. But guess what? He was a damn good worker. Yeah. And he constantly was learning stuff while he was working there. And when he left, they wanted him back because he he had the experience over the years. It wasn't because he had a college degree or that he, you know, knew everything about computers. He didn't. But guess what? He was a hard worker. He was willing to learn. Like, if those are the things that we can be teaching people, I feel like society's going to be a lot better for it. And that, Jacob Stratton, is the segue into what you want to talk about. Because the challenging part about that is the system. We... Tear it down. Tear we, the system down. I think, I think, are you, is that what you think? <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't think, I don't think we need to tear the system down and completely re, like no. recreate it. But the world has changed so much. We've got to change a lot. Honestly, there has to be some kind of like 15 year, 20 year period where you say, in 20 years, this is where we want society to be. Society in 2040, this is where I want it to be. In order to do that, I know that it's going to displace, same thing with like automation. We Let's say we want a, our entire industry, every industry, fully automated 2040. If we said that, we would say, we know that that impacts these people. And these people, because we're making the decision, we need to make sure that either they have jobs or we're taking care of them in some way. Because... That's really the only way to do it is say blank slate starts in 2040. Yeah. We're going to take care of you and this is the program and this is how we're going to retrain the whatever American workforce and it's going to be focused on these things. I couldn't agree with you more. Can I take this to a crazy place? Are you comfortable going there? Yep. Animal farm. No, I don't think. (laughs) Well, I don't know. First of all. I don't know where we're going to go while people are running the show. I don't think we will really genuinely be able to make progress while humans are the ones really making all the big decisions. The problem is people will never give up the power because every person kind of craves control over their own life. And by saying we as a society are seceding our, you know, all of these decisions to whatever, some kind of automation, like it, you'll never get society to do that. And I'm not sure that we necessarily need to do that. Right now, all we do is argue about what the issue is. And sometimes when we're at our best, we argue, what can we do about the issue? We're heading in a direction where the argument won't even be about what do we do about the issue. It will only be what is the issue because we will have artificial intelligences and AI algorithms that are that are complex enough to where if we decide what we want to accomplish it will be able to tell us what we need to do in order to accomplish it or exactly what we need to do like who will die what what how that how it happens and we'll have to have the conversation what is our ultimate goal what are we trying to achieve and if people do genuinely come to a place where they believe 
the algorithm knows best. And dude, let me tell you with these kids, that's the direction I think we're headed. Yeah. People will be able to accept, okay, the algorithm has told us if we want a, a society where everybody is happy and everybody is fairly represented and we take the path where the fee, the fewest, um, the least amount of pain has to happen, this is the pain we have to accept. I, I think we could get there. I don't think so. Okay, I don't, I don't hear. Uh, I, I speak, don't. speak to me now, Jacob. I don't want to say another word for the next hour. Uh, I don't know, maybe the next hour, but I, yeah, it just, to me, I'm just thinking about people, like the psychology of people, not just like seceding the power to a decision like that. There are questions that humans have debated for forever. One of them, I just, off the top of my head, like abortion. You are not going to get two groups of, two those two separate factions to come together and say, I'm willing to let some autonomous machine make a decision on whether, because let's say it says, yeah, abortion's cool, it's fine, you should do it. It's going to make society better in the long run. The people on the other side are going to say, no way, that goes against either my religious beliefs, or I just don't think that that decision should be made by someone that, you know, by a machine that can't even, you know, give birth and understand the implications of things like that. Cause I don't think we're there with AI. Right. And so even on the opposite side, say, Nope, abortion is completely should be illegal. And it's a detriment to society at that level. You know, the people on the side that would, you know, want abortion, would say, okay, no, we think that there are these benefits for society. And the reason why it's not a settled issue is because there are valid arguments on both sides. Let me repeat, valid arguments on both sides. I have an opinion on it, but I would not invalidate someone else's opinion on the on the issue. That's really where, that's the problem we've come to society. We've gone so far and made every decision so far it's like, yep, this is the right answer. That's the right answer. This is the right answer. This is the right answer. And now we're stuck with the hard questions. And they don't require a machine to do it. They require us to look inside ourselves as a society and say, yes, we understanding that these are the negative implications of the decision we make. Because each side has negative implications on, on a specific topic. This is kind of, this is our decision as society. We will agree that this is the best route. We probably won't agree, and there will still be 50% of the people that will be extremely pissed, but they'll be a lot less pissed than a machine making that decision. I agree with you. I don't think we, I don't think... You disagree with me. I think that the ch- the thing that is separating us is you're being more pragmatic than I'm being. I'm not thinking that this is going to happen anytime soon. Yeah. You're thinking more about the timeline You're of, talking like tw- 2100. I'm talking, yes. Versus in 100 years. 2040. Yeah, 100, I mean, but a hundred years in Rio is is no time. It's but no time in the thinking, scope of the universe. You're but, thinking in the scope of your experience and your children's experience, yeah. because you're really thinking about what's going to impact your children because you're responsible for them. And I appreciate that. And I, I guess the only thing I can say is, 
I'm sorry that I'm not considering it that way (laughs) (laughs) because it would benefit your children if I was, I think. (laughs) I mean, it it doesn't have to do with like, you know, I don't know, benefiting children. That's the problem. Everyone, everyone, every single person has their own idea. Their own value. It's all about what you value. You know, if your values are different than my values, then guess what? Those, it's not possible for us to reach consensus. If you tell me that the second that a sperm gets into an egg, that that is a baby, we will never agree. We'll never agree. And it doesn't matter that we don't have to agree. We can be civil to each other. We can talk to each other as human beings. We can respect that we have two different opinions on things and that we don't agree. That's, I think that's really the problem that we have with society. Not to get off on this weird tangent that we happen to be on, but like, I, I know my neighbor's names and I know a little bit about them. And the the reason I moved to Indiana other than like the lower income tax and the property, well, actually property taxes are higher, but they give you an exemption that makes it the same oh, as nice. Louisville. But like their income tax is lower. And guess what? That's where my family is, you know, and we don't. So like we live in an area that is away from the city. Like we are close enough to see where we can do things, but we're also far enough away that like, there's not a lot of traffic, you know, like we, it's just kind of like, these are our neighbors. And like, we know these people, we go to neighborhood functions and we, you know, kind of know our neighbors. Like that's something I think that as a society, we should maybe get back towards instead of, let's say you're 18, your brain's not fully formed. You should absolutely know exactly what you want to do, which almost no one does. Put someone, not in like a national guard, but like a community guard. You are doing stuff within the community and building that community network. And you do that for one year or two years, whatever. And you, I mean, you do that. And then by the time you're 20, unless it's something where it's like a doctor, a teacher, something where you like, there is a need, an urgent need to fill those positions. Like you do this thing and you spend time you spend time on yourself and your community and you make that investment and that builds community networks and that builds it across the United States. Those things exist. There's things like TFA, like teach for America that my buddy Brian was in and stuff like that. Yeah. And those things exist. Um, but I mean, I like you're talking about making mandatory, like, mandatory, mandatory, every person who's 18, unless you go into the army or unless you go into, uh, some kind of field that There's requires just a bunch of choices. The, those fields will be one of the choices that you had to do. Yeah. And it'd be like, let's just say like teaching or, or medicine. Right. Yeah. So those, those, those two fields, you know what that actually does to those fields? People who want to get a head start and who have initiative, who are generally thought of as kind of like the best people or the cream of the crop are going to flock to those positions. If those are the priority positions, you're putting the best people, the, you're getting the best people for teaching positions or the best people for, you know, medicine. You know, somebody's not going to go to school and get $250,000 in debt in a medical degree just to like do it for a couple of years and then bounce. Right. Or maybe they do because they have to. Because it's one of the pathways in which they can that that they can choose in order to fulfill this requirement. But 
even if they only do it for a year or two, if you treat them well, some of them will stay, and then you have some of the best. So I definitely agree with that. Thinking about what this podcast is, just like to start it off, I think of it kind of like an alternative to social media. A better alternative. You say you don't participate in social media at all. Yeah. I'm trying to participate in the healthiest way possible. But some some young people, like my kids, have chosen like, okay, if I I have I don't have to make a decision between not interacting with social media and interacting with social media. I have to interact mm-hmm. with social media. I have to. And I understand that perspective because they want to have interactions with their friends. We evolved to want to be in communion with other people. And if the only places that we can get that is the internet, that's where they're going to go. We're lucky because we don't have to. We can choose to spend time with each other. And some people choose to not have a big social media presence like you. But other people in our generation have allowed this transition that's taken place in culture with this social media thing to tra- change who they are and change how they interact with other people. Do you avoid it because you feel like it's negative? So the probably the thing that started me not using social media because I have I have Facebook like it's still active. And occasionally I, I'm like, oh, yeah, what was that picture of me where I was in Nacho Libre attire? Yeah, I love that and picture. And I had to, I showed my for my amigos in uh, Mexico uh, <laughs> that I work with. And, you know, I, I think it was one of those things where I thought, you know, I tried as a New Year's resolution to not use the Internet. I thought, oh my gosh, like, how did information get... This was back in 2011. And I thought, how did we even get information? I remember specifically having to write a report in, like, fourth or fifth grade about otters. And I had an encyclopedia, and it had, like, a paragraph about otters. I had to write a two-page paper. I'm like, (laughs) how the hell am I going to write more about otters than what's in the encyclopedia. And I just like, you know what? Other than work and school, I will not use the internet. And I could not do it. And the reason I couldn't do it is because I have a need to be right. Um, and yeah. to prove people that I know more than they do. Or that I am correct. And it's a terrible flaw in me as a person. But I would literally, someone would say something objectively wrong. And I'd be like, you're wrong. And they'd be like, prove it. And I'm like, shit, I can't use the internet. Like, how do I prove to this person that they're wrong? Um, Or, you know, and I was just like, yeah, okay, that's not going to work. After like a month, it was torture. Or I'd be like, oh, what's that song? I just didn't have it in my fingertips. I'm so reliant on it. Um, And so I was like, you know what? I'll just give up Facebook. Like, I don't. Like, I still use it, and if I need to talk to my friends, I can talk to them. I know I can. And so I just stopped using it, and I was just so less stressed, Mm. and I didn't feel the need to post or, 
like if I wanted to know what was going on in my friends' lives, I would call them or I would text them and say, "Hey, man, what's going on?" Or the next time I saw them, I would, I would know what what's going on. The problem I did f- find was someone would mention something and be like, "What? What happened?" And they'd be like, "Oh, you didn't see us on Facebook." And I was like, "Oh, yeah, I'm not on Facebook." Even now, I think <laughs> I think Chad sent me like an invitation, <laughs> to uh, a thing. like the past couple invitations to things of like, hey, Easton's, ba- you know, the baby shower, and then mm. Easton's, birth, you know, uh, first birthday and stuff. He would be like, oh yeah, sorry, forgot you're not on Facebook, and it's. I'm not saying that social media is negative, and I definitely think it can be healthy, especially within adults. Because adults have context. Kids these days, I watched, what was that Bo Burdle movie, Eighth Grade? I watched that and I was like, oh my gosh, that is a horrifying life. Like, I haven't seen that. I need to watch it's it. It's just like, everything you do is documented. I was a terrible person. Oh, yeah. I'm slightly better than I was <laughs> when I was in middle school and high school. Yeah. And if people saw that, I mean, it's, I would be, it would be a disaster. Like people, no one would ever talk to me. Like, I cannot believe you thought like that was a good idea. I'm like, you're right. Like, I recognize it's a terrible idea. These kids, that's, it's all going to be documented for them. And it's, while it may be good for them to look back and be just horrified at the things that they did and know that there was personal growth until culture changes and allows them yeah. to grow. Cause that's the thing we're dealing with right now is we're dealing with that shift is people find stuff that happened, whatever, like 30, 40 years ago. And they go, Whoa, that is not okay. And then you're, I, I just know that that's going to happen. It's going to happen with every generation. There is, especially with the internet, I feel like there's the cultural change or the generational change happens a lot quicker because you can find like-minded people and people to amplify your own ideas, whether good or bad, very easily. Same thing with, like, whatever, the rise of white supremacy. It's like there are people out there that hold these ideas. Whether you think that they hold them or not is one thing, but those people will amplify that message within their own selves and get people who maybe would not have said anything or been a part of that, that you know, coalition, yeah. like they would all be kind of in there, right? Kind of like bias, yeah, it's like, oh yeah, it's this this is totally fine that I think that there are two, you know, whatever, black and white people shouldn't be able to marry or like they should be in, it's like, Okay. A, thousand a thousand other people to confirm that that's true. And I'm living in this bubble yes. that says it's true. Because I can find a thousand other people who also think this. Yes. And at the same time that that is happening, you and I are sitting here having a conversation about it. And who knows how many people will be able to listen to that conversation. So I think we're in a, a small transitionary phase, a short thing that maybe 
five or ten years, but I think we'll recover from that. That whole like, but and honestly, if you listen, depending on whose podcast you're listening to, it seems like we're kind of on a trajectory yeah. to where you're just gonna have to get over yeah. having privacy unless you're in a really privileged position. I can't remember who said it. It might Those have been Johan Hari exactly who said it. Are you familiar with Johan Hari? <laughs> Or, no, no, you know who it was? It was Yuval oh, Noah yeah. Harari. I get those two mixed up a lot. Yuval Noah Harari wrote Sapiens. I listened to Sapiens. It it totally changed the way that I think about humans and how we became what we are. Yeah. Then I listened to Homo Deus, his second book, and it freaked me the fuck out. Yeah. And it very dramatically updated my perspective on the a, a a single very narrow potential future yeah so it was like sapiens was like here's everything that's happened up to now and then homo Deus was based here but like context. it could yeah. lead to x well basically it's like based on that context based on all of these things that i laid out that you can clearly see make sense to how we got to where we are now through an evolutionary yeah. an evolutionary perspective. Now that I've already laid out this entire premise to get you here. Yeah. Let's continue with that train of thought and apply that to how we view the future and what seems to be true. And in Homo Deus, he basically says, We got Infotech right around the corner, all this massive collection of data that's taking place. And we've got biotech right around the corner. A similar thing where we're collecting all this data about our bodies. We're going to upgrade ourselves over the next hundred years and do something other than Homo sapien. He calls it Homo Deus. Upgraded, elevated human gods who will pretty much view normal Homo sapiens as like a lesser thing. Yeah, like the way we look at like Neanderthals. Yeah. And he thinks we'll... He says we need to be prepared for that way of thinking. So then he's written his next book, which is 21 Lessons for the 21st Century. If that seems to be the trajectory, if nobody takes ownership of that, of this, let's realize we can take ownership of this. What should we be doing to make sure we get the best outcome? Yeah. And I haven't finished 21 Lessons for the 21st Century because I got to a point where I had been thinking so much for such a long time. It was, I was reading all these books over summer break and then it started to get to where I was like, okay, I'm about to be teaching again in a couple of weeks. I need to shift, (laughs) shift down to, yes. And so I haven't really finished that book, but yeah, I mean, here's the other thing too, though. Like I do feel at least some of those books like over amplify what they think is possible. I, anything is possible given the resources and the time. But guess what? I shit. If you look at anything from like the 90s, we should have flying cars, which is a terrible idea by now. And we can't even get autonomous vehicles to drive us without, you know, like, well, I mean, the autonomous vehicles are fine now. It's just there's still a lot of resistance to it. People underestimate one, how long humans live, two, those people are making decisions, right? Yeah, sure, that's fine that whatever, an 18-year-old 
would love to, I mean, I would too, don't get me wrong, would love to drive an autonomous vehicle and not ever have to drive again. You know how many people that are our age and above? I mean, that's a huge section of people, 70, 80% of people uh, that just don't want to do that, that don't trust the AI that it's there yet. Now, once it happens, it's going to happen quickly. But we, sh- I mean, I think the there's a lot of overestimation on technology of like, we're going to be able to do all this stuff. Yeah, I mean, maybe. I I just feel like a lot of times we're saying, okay, this is something that's possible. Yeah, given either unlimited resources or we're actually focusing the time. You know how many things that like we're fo- just the United States of America is focused on. There's other countries that are focused on other things. It's, I just don't think that there's, it's very optimistic on where we're going to be. Now, when it happens, it's going to happen quick. When we get, I think when we get at least 20 years down the road, I think it's going to be like, oh yeah, it's probably 50-50 where people are like, yeah, I think it's fine to use autonomous vehicles. A lot of the older people, either they want to still drive or... Um, you think 20 of, years before autonomous vehicles? Yeah. I think five. I And that's the thing. like It's constantly been like, hey, we need to get this out there. We need to get this out there. Here's the problem. People freak out. Humans are dumb. Humans are really dumb. They freaked out because somebody jaywalked in a poorly lit area and got hit by an autonomous vehicle. Okay, one, was that the car's fault? Two, that right there was a huge setback for autonomous vehicles. You know how many people freaking get killed by other humans because we're dumb and we're not perfect? Tons. The number of people who would die, I guarantee you, right now with the current level of technology for cars would be less than how many humans kill. Oh, for sure. We won't jump in there until it's perfect, air quotes. I think that there is a small group of people who were freaked out by that instance that you just gave. I think that small group of people seems louder than it really is because of the internet. And most people are ready for it. I'm talking about people I've talked to in person. Really? About autonomous vehicles? Every person that I've talked to that's over the age of 30, so my age or older, does not want autonomous vehicles. Not that they don't want autonomous vehicles. I'm sorry. That they... That they would that they would prefer to drive versus a machine, and it's because of control. They control the vehicle. They know what they can do. But guess what? There are so many benefits to it. It's like, all right, you're whatever, 70 years old, and you need to get to your doctor's appointment. You don't have to rely on some other person. You just literally, it's like Uber. Boom, boom, boom. Pick the, got the car. You would probably buy the car, but you get the car, you get in it, and it drives you to where you need to go. Those things can be set up for, like, you know, handicap accessible or, you know, uh, people that are older, uh, geriatric community, and boom, sets it up, boom, you get in there, car drives you to your appointment, you get out, you go in, you come back out, you drive home. Like, you have so much more freedom. Oh yeah, I'm a, I'm I'm way behind you. I'm pro. I'm super pro autonomous. I just think that like maybe we overestimate 
How long like, it'll take to get them? Well, it's just like when people are going to feel comfortable using them in mass quantity to where it is at least comparable. Because as soon as you get to it being a comparable price as vehicles that are like, you know, where you have to, you know, automatic or manual transmission um, or even fueled by gas, like even think beyond uh, autonomous vehicles, electric vehicles should be no problem, right? Common sense. Mm-hmm. Everyone use that. You, we don't have to use fuel. We don't have to, you know, promote whatever, add to climate change, whatever. Well, guess what? It's still not here, and that should be way farther along than, yeah, we have Tesla, and we're starting to get more, they're starting to get more stations, and stuff, but it's still expensive. It's only accessible to a small group of people until it can get that mass production of people buying those things like it's it's not gonna flip our experience is unique because of this transitionary thing that's happening where we have we're in the middle of this technological revolution and i remember as being in like a middle school or maybe elementary school learning about the industrial revolution and thinking that happened. Now yeah. we're beyond that. We're in the other new thing. Nothing's going to change now. Yeah. Why did I think that? Yeah. I, I we don't were understand. Young. You think yeah. we were just kids? We you, just couldn't understand? Yeah, you, yeah. Your big picture ideas and concepts, you just don't grasp them. When, when you're young, you're like, yeah, that'll never happen. Yeah. Like, what what could possibly happen again? And then you're like, oh, okay, computer. But then the computer was still slow, yeah. and you would call, you'd be like, <laughs> and then somebody would be on the phone, and you'd like hear half of their conversation, or you'd be on the internet, and it would be like, dink, 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 and you're like waiting for that page to load after five minutes, and someone picks up the phone, you're like, Damn it! Like, <laughs> come on! <laughs> and so, let's try to look at boobies. Yeah, <laughs> naked women. <laughs> Jake, why did you search naked women? Well, I was doing a project for school on anatomy. On anatomy, totally not an actual. I remember thing my dad. He caught me. I was looking up pictures of Brooke Burke. Are you familiar with yeah. who that is? Uh... Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why she's famous. I just know when I was like 13, she was hot. Yeah. And if you looked hard enough, you could find pictures of her boobies. I remember she was on some kind of like e-network. They was like vacation destination. And she goes naked apparently. And there would be like one boob out of the entire like hour show. And you just like <laughs> sit there and wait for like a blurry boob. <laughs> That's literally the dedication and focus of a twelve-year-old. I think I I think I type in like Sable. I remember from like wrestling. I remember that it's like she apparently was naked, and I was like Sable boob. (laughs) 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 I guess like she only exposed one boob, (laughs) like it was an accident. That's hilarious. Now I remember my dad approaching me about it, and I remember his main. The main message that I took away from it was he caught be me more looking discreet. at boobs, be a little bit more discreet, but mostly 
you're looking at a high caliber of chick. Brooke, Brooke, <laughs> yeah, okay. Brooke is hot. I agree. Yeah. You know what? If you're checking her out, I think you want to know the God's honest truth about it. I think my dad was relieved that I was into chicks. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember when you, me, Chris Berry, <laughs> uh, that little tiny girl that Chris was hanging out with all the time? Kristen. Kristen drove to that fucking graveyard. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Not that, that those, a lot of those stories are, are really funny because remember the, uh, the second, I guess the second time we did it with, with a larger group of people. Yeah. And so. We go to, I think it's E-Town, near E-Town, yeah. Elizabeth Town. And, uh, well, wait, let me tell the story. It's because people don't hear, haven't heard it. We drove to this graveyard. We get there. It's a graveyard. I'm terrified. And these rednecks show up, and we have to, like, bail. And then after we bail, we get pulled over <laughs> by some cops. So I'm freaking, we're already all a, freaking out. A cop. A single cop. A single cop We're at driving the West through Point. West Point. And this they have a speed trap. Stupid girl was yeah. speeding through this. And Wait, was it was it really speed? Like that's the thing. It was like fifty five, and then it cuts <laughs> down to thirty five. Yeah. And literally, I remember one. It was Chris and myself said, "Hey, you should probably slow." Yeah. And it was quick. The cop turned his lights on. We're like, "Well, it's too late now." I just remember he was looking in the back with all his lights. He sees a bunch of kids. We weren't doing anything wrong. But I just remember. He was just like, you guys got anything back there you're not supposed to have? And then you just kind of leaned forward and just picked up your no. soda pop and just went, slurp, slurped a little slurp <laughs> right off of it. And I was just like, oh my I, gosh. One, I'm like pretty sure that this is one of those things I think about. Like, this could have been a huge like changing point in my life because I am like pretty sure he had like his gun drawn. Really? I remember that. Oh gosh. I remember him asking us to put our hands... Like yes. where we where we could see him. Yes, and then you reached and then, down and, and then he was like, he's like, put your hands in there. And then I just like shot my hands down and grabbed my bowler ball and shot it back up. And he like turned. I remember him turning the gun on me. I was like, just. And then God, you I know hope that's not actually what happened, but I hope it is. That's at the same time. how I remember it in my head. Yeah. And then he was like, "Is there alcohol in there?" I'm like, "No, it's Mountain Dew." And he's like, "Are you sure?" And I was like, yeah, do you like, that was the thing. I mean, it, she probably literally pulled over into the worst possible spot too. Yeah. It was like an abandoned <laughs> gas station on the side of the road. It was terrifying. That Well, remember the second, were you, you were there the second time we went out there. And because I think Chris, he may have, th- did he, was that when he threw that stick against your legs? Yes. It was like super creepy and he just like launched his stick he knew i was afraid i was afraid of anything (laughs) like we were two things it was dark it was middle of night we were in a graveyard that had me kind of freaked out i can't explain how pitch black it It was was. so black and because we weren't anywhere near a city like we were out like kind of in the country it literally went from like a two it was like a road boat you know lane both ways to a single lane to gravel Gravel road road, yeah and then it dead ends and circles and there's really like there's a couple i mean there's trees all around but there's like a couple main trees yeah and then there's all these little tiny tombstones that are like 1860, mm-hmm. which was actually really cool. And if we'd gone during the day, I probably could have really appreciated yeah. it. But I was afraid 
of being there. We weren't supposed to be there. That had me elevated. That was definitely true. And I wasn't afraid of ghosts. I don't believe in ghosts. Chris would like to think I was scared of ghosts. And yeah. He likes to pick on me about it. I was more afraid of... <laughs> It was dark. Were there animals? I didn't want to get bitten by even like something small, like a anything. I just Beaver. didn't want to have. So he threw that stick, and yes, it, it frightened me. And well, so I ran. Yeah. You were walking in front of him, and I remember he just kind of tossed it, and it brushed your leg. <laughs> okay. The one thing that I do remember is that I don't remember his name. I think it was Chris, also. But uh, <laughs> oh, Boudry. Boudry. Yeah, yeah, Leslie. Wow, and Leslie. Now so I've got to li- share this with them because so, so literally, I just remember. You just said like, oh, these guys asked us to leave. No. Two like pickup trucks with some good old boys yes. with all like 22s yes, sitting across their lap. We're sitting there like, we got your license plates. Don't ever come back here. Because we weren't supposed we to weren't be there. We weren't supposed to be there. That's fair. You know, the, they didn't know who we were, what we were doing there. That's fine. But the funny part was like, they were coming down the road and freaking Chris Boudry takes off and dives through this open window and just leaves Leslie straight in there. And like, he's like in the backseat. I I mean, I'm sure in his head, he's thinking like, if somebody, if they kill everybody, like I'll be there to tell the story. But like, I'm sure Leslie felt like great that he's just like, booked it and dove through that window it made me laugh so hard yeah uh, every time i think about it that's hilarious god i love that story we also met leslie boudry i don't remember what her i think it was leslie davis leslie davis yeah she was in the same english class that we met in mm. i sat behind Probably her right. made her uncomfortable you're right i remember that i remember oh, that uh <laughs> i remember that class Winnie. Hey, there's my puppy. Oh, well, hey, Winnie this is a perfect chance to, pat, to wrap this up. That's If you can hear that, that's the sound of my lovely dog, Winifred. Say, wrap that shit up, B. Jake, uh, it was amazing opportunity to get to talk to you. Thank you so much for making the time to come over here and sit down and talk to me. Uh, we need to do this again. Oh, thanks, Mitch. Love you. Love you, too. <laughs> All right, so that is the Jake Stratton Compilation Podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed listening to it. His wife was also an amazing guest. Her podcast is going to be coming out soon as well. And I'm going to try to get them on together as a Just Friends Couples now that I've got four microphones. So as always, guys, if you're listening to the podcast and you're enjoying it, please share it. Uh, I would love it if the community would grow. Also, if you're not already following us on Facebook, you need to check out the Facebook page and also the new Facebook group, which is a private community of people who are listening to Just Friends Podcast. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else, please, please rate the show and leave us a review if you don't mind. It really does help us to increase our visibility on there. We've got people listening in like Canada and uh, India and... Mexico and Brazil and I'm not sure exactly who those people are but those people are awesome and also as always if you're interested in being on the show just reach out to me man I would really really love to have you on and I'm going to continue to do my due diligence by reaching out to you guys as well so 
I love you all. I hope you have an amazing day. Bye.